Tabletop Game Talk side chat, where two of us talk about something sometimes related to games. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. And I'm Fletcher. In the late 17th century, in Eastern Europe, in the region of Hysteria, there were reports of a plant of a panicked locals. There were reports of panicked locals that Jorg... <laughs> this is all... <laughs> there were reports of panicked locals that Jorg Grando had become a vampire after his death in 1656. Apparently, he had started to drink the blood of his victims and harassed his widow. The village leader ordered a stake through the heart, and later, presumably because that didn't work, beheading. Thus, the myth of the... The, thus the myth nay the legend of the vampire is born today on the 4th of july we're going to talk about vampires and how they affect tabletop gaming seems appropriate <laughs> that was the best intro ever yes <laughs> in 340 in one episodes, take I do, I do not think we've ever done an intro better than that Nailed um, it. yeah yeah, we're just talking about vampires. True um, but, but first, we're going to thank our Patreon friends of the show. Uh, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, Michael Fidley, Listener Doug, and the Gift of Games and Grace Lake. Thanks to all our other patrons as well. Um, yes, it's the 4th of July f- as far as when this podcast is dropping. And as far as anyone's going to hear it, because we're actually recording this a little bit early. Um, or not. But well, I mean, sure. Okay. A little bit. Hours yeah, early. Early. Hours earlier than we normally would, um, sort of impromptu due to family visits and things like that. So we're just, yeah. So live audience, we'll be back next week. Promise. And Kitty has we have it on good authority. Yes. She's like, I'm in for next week. And I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it, but I'm going to tell everyone that you're in for next week. So when you're not there, everyone can be as disappointed as we are. So that's, that's where we're at right now. Um, but yeah, apparently she spends her days at the hospital and then her nights bas- putting her, you know, the bigger kids to bed. Um, but everything's her fine. Her nights being a busy mom. For, yeah. Um, for those who are new to this episode, I apologize for the intro. Um, but um, yeah, <laughs> Go back a few episodes yeah, and it won't be any better. Yep. It's all the same. Um, yeah, so Kitty recently had twins, and they are spending a couple weeks in the NICU, because that's what you do when you're basically a twin and born a couple weeks early. Um, everything seems to be going fine. Everything's good. So all is right in that neighborhood. But that means that she gets to hang out at the hospital during the day. And then when visiting hours are over, she goes home. And right now, she's getting you know kind of a regular sleep schedule, where once the twins are home, I think that'll kind of get That'll stop a little bit yeah so um also i got a another kickstarter in so this is not the kickstarter that inspired this episode did you, um, did you think did you did you think our patreons um i did think our patreons thanks again though to our okay. patreons you guys are awesome um but yeah i got so kickstarter has at any given point, you can go on Kickstarter and probably back two or three different collectible trading card Kickstarters. And they're kind of hilarious because you'll see they'll be making like, you know, four or five, six hundred thousand dollars with like 200 backers because every trading card game has the potential to like hit it big. And then those early editions are tend to be worth a bunch of money. I don't typically back trading card games on Kickstarter because yeah, they're a dime a dozen and none of them succeed. Um, at least I have not seen any on Kickstarter succeed, 
But the other last year, I guess was Keyforge not on Kickstarter. Um, it was, but it didn't originally launch on Kickstarter. It relaunched <laughs> it on was, Kickstarter. But I don't count it. Yeah. It was, yeah, the reboot of, of it did go on Kickstarter, but it was already an established proven game. It was just a new company trying to raise capital to make giant print runs and get a sense of demand. But there was a game called Sorcery that I heard, I think it was listening to Covenant Cast, and they were talking about this game. And I'm like, okay, I'm sort of interested in this and i looked at it a little bit i'm like all right this is kind of interesting so it's sorcery Googled sorcery and of course like i don't get anything related to sorcery (laughs) sorcery contested realm um singular just one realm um just one the rest of the realms realms. yeah not realms just realm uh but the the tagline to this game is i don't have a booster pack in front of me so i'm going to do it from memory but it's the Old school style, for those who like an old school style CCG with hand-painted art or something along those lines. It does kind of look like hand-painted art, kind of like in the, well, when I used to play Magic the Gathering, kind of looks like that. Yeah, and this is a very, this is not the subject of the episode, but it's it's on the front of my mind because it is interesting in that the art is gorgeous um, in general, like it's all painted art and then scanned in so none of it was as far as i know none of it was digitally done and it's border to border um you know art forward it's also story forward so in magic you'll have something that's like an artifact or a sorcery or something like that in this and then you'll also have like a little symbol at the bottom whether it's common uncommon rare this it has a story tagline on it so it may say like an elite and foul felonous mortal and if the words are capital they're keywords if they're lowercase they're flavor so elite is the rarity and then in this case mortal is uppercase so it's a mortal who is an elite mortal essentially um but all of the cards do that and it's 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 if you're not sure what you're looking at, you're like, wait a minute, this, none of this makes any sense. And then you start seeing these keywords come up and you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. An exceptional ruined relic of strength, for example. Um, exceptional is capitalized because that's the rarity, and then relic is capitalized because it's an artifact. If you've played Magic, you've sort of played this game. Um, this is basically Magic. This is the old school idea of it. This is basically Magic if power and toughness were combined and you had a five by four grid that the monsters moved around on. And then the rest of it is, it just feels a lot, it doesn't look at anything like magic, but it feels that old school, you're trying to do 20 damage to the opponent's avatar. The avatar is actually represented on the grid though. So it's basically magic with a map. And you're, (laughs) instead of playing lands, you, you do play land, but you put them down on this grid and that kind of defines how the landscape comes out. And if you've, once you've played it, then that generates mana that you can use to cast your spells. Um, so it's, it's a super interesting game. I played it last night with Sydney and it was a little fiddly, but it was quite a bit of fun. And we just played with the pre-started decks. So uh, if you're interested, you can take a look at it. Sorcery contested realm. However, this is, I, you know, I started out with saying that, you know, there's a zillion different 
TCGs on Kickstarter. This one right now, the booster boxes, when I bought them, I think were 125 on Kickstarter, and they're going for around 500 on eBay right now. So don't try to buy booster boxes yet. It'll be released in September for wide release. <laughs> um, but you might be able to find some starter decks for a little bit cheaper or or not. But it's it's just an interesting game. Google it to take a look at some of the art because the art is really quite pretty. But yeah, that's just an aside. That's what I did yesterday. So it came up. Um, but the other thing I did, and I didn't back this, is another Kickstarter. And that Kickstarter was called Vampire the Masquerade um, Chapters. And I saw this. I was going to back it because... It, Fletcher, you played um, Vampire with us for a, a yes. few sessions at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this... So Vampire Masquerade, uh, we've played it as a role-playing game. We've talked about it in the past. And I saw this, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I think Spencer would really like this. And I thought that, I looked at it, and I'm like, nah, I'm going to pass. Because what's the odds of it? like it's going to be any good or anything like this? So I didn't back it. And then I was talking to a friend of mine last week, and she did back it. But she's like, it's amazing. You have to get it. So I'm like, fine. <laughs> That's all it took. You're very yeah, easy so to I went on, when it comes to buying I'm, things. <laughs> I'm very easy. Um, so I went to Miniature Market, and they had it for pre-order. So I pre-ordered it and the expansions. And then I got that a couple days ago, and I've watched the How to Play. I've kind of opened the box a little bit, which is as heavy as Gloomhaven. Um, like, it's... The box is about... It's it's calyx size, so it's not that oblong Gloomhaven box. So you can you can fit the box in a calyx thing but it takes up probably two-thirds of a calyx uh, slot uh Hmm. but the gameplay is fairly true true to the role-playing game as far as like how you your stats and your skills and stuff the dice you roll are the same um and it's you know it's the game like a story in a box and apparently the story is really good the chapters play in about an hour and you know it varies depending on how much you want to you know, spend time on making decisions and things like this. But um, yeah, it's looks really cool. And I'm really excited to play it. So I'm like, you know something, we've been doing this IP thing, we should talk about vampires, because it is a genre I have never really liked, kind of like Cthulhu, <laughs> which may end up being part of this series at some point, too. Um, it, I just I don't like dark. And, you know, that just, I don't know, vampires, like, eh. But I found myself watching a lot of vampire shows, and I know a lot about vampires. I don't necessarily like vampire movies, but vampire games, sometimes, it sort of depends. So, I'm like, I don't know. What is it about vampires? So, I texted Fletcher, and I said, hey, what do you know about vampires? And he's like, uh, and so now we're talking. Fletcher, <laughs> what do you know about vampires? Uh, I think what I texted you is, like, I have a layman's understanding of vampires. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, that's good enough for us. That's good enough. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat as you where vampires seem like, you know, they're an interesting monster, interesting trope, but I'm not like, ooh, vampires. These are like super interesting creatures that I want to, you know, explore more or there should be like a whole series about them, like Twilight or whatever. But I have watched Twilight. I've watched, um, what's the movie with uh, Brad Pitt? Where he's a vampire. Oh, interview with a vampire. Interview with a vampire. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have not. Well, 
I may have watched it, but I don't recall much about it at all. Yeah, it's been a while, but like, you know, they're fine. It's, great. it's you know, it's a, it adds flavor to the movie. Um, but I'm not like, I, it's not like I seek out vampire content or movies. So I don't seek it out either. Um, I think probably the first vampire movie that I liked was The Lost Boys. Have you oh, ever yes. seen that one? Yeah, I've seen The Lost Boys, yes. I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. And I was probably teenager when it came out. It's been, wow, that movie's probably really old at this point. I huh? saw it when I was a teenager, but I, I, I feel like it came out in the late 80s, right? Yeah, I think that's about when it came out. And it was it was the first vampire movie where I'm like, oh, this isn't really about vampires, as in, you know like Dracula, like all of the, like, what's it? Bram Stroker's Dracula or whatever. I'm sure I'm getting that name, murdering it. But right. like, I never had any interest in Dracula. Dracula to me was just kind of, eh. It's like, oh, all powerful vampire. 1987, that, The Lost Boys. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. Still, it, I think it holds up. Um, but I was never really interested in that. But then I saw The Lost Boys. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Because like, it kind of mo- like leaned into the lore a little bit more. And yeah, there were some you know, vampire stuff, like, you know, vampire violence in, ge- in general and stuff. But it was still at kind of more of the high school teenager level. And mm. I don't know. It was, it was, it was good. I liked it. Um, but it didn't change my opinion of vampires in general. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Uh, I also saw um, another one. What, uh, I'm forgetting the name and I forget who it's in it, but it's like everyone in the world is a vampire pretty much because a plague, it like, takes over and makes everyone vampires do you know what i'm talking about and they like farm humans? i have n- i have no idea vampire say, movie with everyone being a vampire yeah uh daybreakers daybreakers yes that's what it is it's kind so, of like an interesting yeah. twist on the vampire genre where everyone's a vampire except for humans that are kind of like like cattle and then there's super vampires that like if um the whole premise is like they're running out of blood and vampires need human blood to survive. So humans are treated like cattle. Um, and there's a few that are like, you know, wild that are like living out and that are kind of escaped. So there, and that's two a things. common, yeah. Yeah. And that's a common trope too, right? Why, if you, if you're a vampire and you're so powerful, why stay hidden? Cause most of vampire lore vampires are like they stay to the night they stay to the shadows they don't want to be known and if you think about it if they just made everyone vampires then they would starve because there's no food so the best way for them to survive is to not let anyone know they're around so they can just kind of be their powerful whatever but still have you know ample supplies of food whenever they want it um which is sort of how Kindred the Embraced or Vampire the Masquerade. They're this, so Kindred the Embraced is the TV series of Vampire the Masquerade. And Vampire the Masquerade is the role-playing game we played and is the basis of um, the board game I just got. And there's a lot of lore behind that. It's multiple clans. Um, and you know the idea is you have to maintain the masquerade. You can't let mortals know you exist and that's what the masquerade part of it is um and then there's these different vampire factions that all have their own interests and and such are kind of like vampire houses or something like that they work together but at the same time because they have all have a common interest 
but they don't how all like all their interests don't align. It's just like, okay, yeah, we know that we need to stay hidden. So there's this, you know, the masquerade. Right. Um, so you see that, that trope repeat over and over. Um, did you watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I did not. What? I know. Okay. So the movie was. Chris made this face like you haven't seen it like so to me yeah. growing up i knew like i didn't know it was based off a of comic book number one i'm not even sure that would have changed my opinion but to me it was like i forget what channel it aired on like wb or something like that and it was called buffy the vampire slayer and i was like this seems ridiculous i have no interest <laughs> in watching a show called buffy the vampire slayer so hard pass <laughs> you missed out um Apparently it's a great season. It's a great show, but I I think I've seen maybe half of one episode and it was for like a college class. It is probably one of my lifetime favorite series, like in, in all. And again, vampires aren't really my thing, but this, it wasn't about the vampires. It was about Buffy and, and I, it's intentionally hokey. Because right. the premise is hokey, right? Buffy is the chosen, and because of this, she has the ability to slay vampires. And if she ever dies, another chosen comes in and takes her place. And so there's always one chosen slayer to, you know, fend off the vampires from the world. And she's a high school student, and she has high school friends, and the high school friends also help her slay vampires. And all of it sounds very Scooby-Doo, but it's it isn't like it takes itself. I don't want to say it takes itself seriously because that makes it sound like it. It almost takes itself too seriously, but it takes a serious approach to kind of a campy uh, premise, hmm. and you get attached to these characters, and they really like the lore they build up, and that's the thing for me, right? Like vampires in general, like whatever. But the lore that comes with it can be super, super cool, and the lore with Buffy was super cool like it was it was very um like everything was intentional and and each season kind of had like a big bad arc to it and like you know there's gonna be a bad guy there then you find out i'm not gonna spoil too much of it for you but in general every season's kind of its own thing um she also tends to even though she her job is to slay vampires um she tends to hook up with vampires as well um (laughs) two specifically angel and spike I was going to say, and like, they don't is, like each isn't other. Angel a whole spinoff show in itself? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So Buffy and Angel were the original. And then Angel's like, okay, I can't, you know, Buffy's like, oh, you're distracting me. And Angel's like, oh, I'm distracting you. I must go off to this other, you know, I, I must go to LA where I'm going to have my own TV show. Um, so he created his <laughs> own show, <laughs> which was actually also really, really good. Um, and then there was Spike, who was kind of like the, the, um, dark, um, you know, bad boy love interest where Angel's like this goody goody vampire. He's like, I know I'm a vampire, but I've chosen to be good. And Spike's like, I know I'm a vampire and I'm cho- not choosing to be good, but I do like this Buffy girl. So well, I guess I'll try to be good. Um, so that's kind of like, yeah, it was, it's just really good. You should watch Buffy. Um, you could just bin watch it from the beginning and go all the way through. Um, or you I'll could watch Angel. It. Um, Angel, I think a lot of things about Angel too is the, the Buffy, the vampire slayer, it does make it sound like it's more, it's not meant for teenage boys, even though it's definitely meant for teenage boys. 
Angel is like more of a hardcore, also more of a probably early 20s target audience versus like the teenage target audience. Hmm. Um, but then the next TV show I'm going to ask you about, HBO, True Blood. Ever watched that? Never seen it. Nope. Okay. So this one. Um, I know also, about it, but I've never seen it. Yeah. Also pretty good um, as far as being able to like dive into the lore. And this was based off of a series of books. It's HBO. So think of Game of Thrones with vampires, because that's essentially what it was. Um, and it's a lot of adult situations adding in blood was really <laughs> adding in vampires. true blood was. Yeah. Um, I had a friend and she loved it. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. And it took me a while to get into it. But once you get into it and you get to know the characters and stuff, it was pretty good. Um, but that's so that's another series I've watched the entire thing. So, so for not knowing about vampires, I really uh, have watched a lot, watch of, a lot of content. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kindred the Embraced, this was, um, again, based on the Vampire Masquerade uh, series or IP. It was a short-lived show in the... Oh, I want to say probably like ninety two ish is when that was that came out ninety two. Yeah, wow. it was a long time, and and it was right around. They were also released a card game on the same based on the same um, IP, and the role playing game had come out before that, which was what this was based on. Um, I've I don't never know. Even I, heard of I'm this. assuming there were. Um, so yeah, Kindred the Embrace. It, like you would probably you would really have had to have been into it to. Um, know that the series existed, but Vampire the Masquerade is probably one of the best known gaming. I think it's called Kindred the Embraced, like right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but Vampire the Masquerade is probably the best well known for gaming, um, role playing games, card games, board games. Um, basically, I've just seen it in games. I'm assuming that there's books for it, although I've never looked looked it looked it up or anything like this um the lore is interesting but it's I, again it's one of those things where it's, it's vampires i watched the tv show because it was there but i wasn't gonna like i've never read a book on it or anything um what about castlevania ever played castlevania i have played castlevania some of the old school ones i have not played uh, i don't know what when the newest game came out but i don't think i've played have it. you watched the new netflix series i have actually Yes, I have done that. That's pretty. That's that quite was pretty good. good. Yeah, that was pretty good. So, yeah, and it's again very. So, Castlevania is probably it was like the most two, tropey. Four season. It was well four episodes each season, and there I think there was only two seasons. I want to say there got to be more than that. Castlevania really? Netflix. Um, well, something came up with season five. Um, Let's see, Castlevania TV series, um, season one, season two, season three, season four. So it looks like four seasons. All right, and, well, I have some catching up to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, three, four, five, six. Looks like seven episodes, then four episodes, then ten episodes, then six episodes. All right, maybe something like that. Um, oh, four, eight, ten, ten is there. We go. So there's four seasons of it. I don't think I've seen season four, which was released. May 13th, 2021. Um, but yeah, if you were, if you're into any kind of like vampire stuff or Castlevania or whatever, um, they, they did a really good job with this. Uh, I was, I played Castlevania on the Nintendo 8 bit and 
it didn't like yeah dracula was the bad guy but you almost never it was mostly just bats and stuff that you were fighting they but there's apparently there's like yeah you have a whip (laughs) um and candles um but it has a lot of lore to it as well and the series really kind of draws that out and like oh wow this is it is and I, i think for me again it's more about if there's enough time to tell the story where it like flushes out the the lore of the system and i want to i specifically mean system like how do vampires work you know where do they come from what are their goals those types of things are the things that interest me um i don't need like names dates places i don't remember those things but like i can tell you how vampires work in all of these different um like tv shows and stuff and that's the part that's interesting to me is you know, okay, what's the magic system, right? I think that's why I like Sanderson so much um, is because he does a really good job at like describing the magic system and how the magic system works. And mm. that becomes um, kind of almost like the economy of the of the world. But yeah, now I have to track down season four of Castlevania. But yeah, so definitely worth watching there. Um, all right, top five vampire tropes, go. Um. <clears throat> Well, they drink blood, obviously. Good one. They good one, yeah. don't show up in a mirror. I'm naming. Oh, I'm not yeah. looking at the- I didn't even think of that one. Yeah. So I saw. Yeah. I saw the list. Right. So the first one was drink blood, and I saw that. But I'm not looking at the rest of the list that you have on yeah. there. So they don't show up in a mirror. Uh, I know that they. Well, they're supposed to be invited into your home before they can go into your home. Uh, yeah. They can turn into like a spectral mist or something. Um, Ooh, and, yeah, yeah. and they can't, um, they can't be out during daylight, only nighttime. Yep. Um, yeah. And There's I'm a lot sure, more obviously, but. Oh yeah. And, and some of those are more common in, uh, different, uh, um, IPs. And you made me just think the Dresden files, I think that is also, I'm pretty sure he's a vampire. Um, the Dresden. If we were, had a live audience, someone would be telling me right now. It's like, of course he's a vampire. Why wouldn't he be a vampire? Um, but I'm pretty sure the Dresden file is is based on a character who is a vampire. Or there's vampires in there. Um, there's definitely wizards okay. in there. I've heard of the Dresden files, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I just feel like is. Is Dresden Files vampires? In the world of Dresden um, Files, magic is real alongside vampires, demons, spirits, fairies, and werewolves. Yes, and I think that is, and I think he is a vampire, and like he basically solves crime at night because he can't go out during the daytimes. Hmm. Um, is Dresden Files? Is Dresden? There's a, a lot of vampire. these books. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Um, and it takes place in Chicago, apparently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and. And that's the thing, like, I should want to read these books um, because they are, like, the supernatural stuff. I like the supernatural stuff in general. And it's, you know, it it basically follows, um, like, if you know Chicago landmarks, you recognize them all the times and things like that. So, but yeah, Dresden Files is in definitely in a vampire universe as well. Um, so, the doesn't show up in Mirrors trope, that one, I don't see that a lot in different ones that's almost more like dracula classic stuff where it's like vampires don't show up in mirrors um crosses are a big one too in like in the yeah, vamp- crosses in the dracula and garlic. stuff and garlic um invited in that one is it can it really just depends on on the trope um 
but it is a common one. Sunlight burns them. Uh, so if you're in, if you get pushed into sunlight, that's one way of getting rid of a vampire. Unless you're a Twilight vampire, which I think is the number one reason why people hate Twilight who like vampires, is because <laughs> Twilight vampires don't burn in the light; they sparkle, and that's why they don't go out into the daylight because they would sparkle. Um, yeah, we won't get too so much into Twilight, but <laughs> it's, Twilight is one of those. I tried reading the books. Um, I got through the first one and either halfway through the second one or halfway through the third one. Uh, at one, at one point I'm just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I cannot. This is not, <laughs> I've only seen the movies. No, I just, no, no, not going to do it. Um, but yeah, so twilight is their own vampire, but they, they do a similar thing. They're all ageless. Essentially. They oh, that's live true. forever. They're ageless. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, but they don't once have turn, a heartbeat. Yeah. Once you turn, you, remain that age until you die again yeah (laughs) until you your undeadness stops working um but yeah they don't have a heartbeat they don't they're cold to the touch um basically they're walking they're undead really yeah they're undead um let's see stakes through the heart is a way of killing them beheading them is a way of killing them fire typically works um many of them have the ability depending on the um trope to like turn into some kind of mist or bats or something and fly off sometimes Um, it's like they have to sleep in a coffin yeah yeah and and sometimes it's they don't have to but they they choose to sleep in a safe place because they don't they're vulnerable during the day so they they purposely stay someplace that is dark and small and hard to get to so that they are safe when they're sleeping because if somebody knows where they sleep and they can pull them out into the daylight while they're sleeping and then they you know live no more and that's the interesting that's the that's the difference between oh they sleep in a coffin versus why they do it and that's to me becomes more interesting as you kind of like dive into the why um true blood did a pretty good job at like okay they have safe houses where they sleep that is where they keep them safe and then if that's ever revealed then um that's dangerous to them uh oh i just th- thought of another movie um which dawn, one dawn of it was one where you were watching the movie this was probably pretty old um you're watching the movie and for the first half of the movie it's just kind of this you know standard you know dude going around um you know, just, you know, kind of going from bar to bar in Mexico or something like this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know what's going on here. He's obviously looking for something. And then halfway through it turns into a vampire movie. Um, Hmm. I will find this from dust till dawn uh, with George Clooney, 1996. Um, This is one that, no, no, no. This is like, it's basically he's, just roaming the lands. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie, or at least Quentin Tarantino's in the movie. Um, I don't think he made the movie. But um, and there's multiple Dust Tell Dawns. But for the first, so Fugitive Bank Robber, um, hold up a liquor store, killing the clerk. Um, they inadvertently destroy the building as they leave. So it basically looks like a heist movie, right? It's just, you know, they're trying, they're on the run. So they robbed a bank and they're on the run. And then all of a sudden, it turns into a vampire movie. And you're like, what just happened? And then they actually, there's some pretty interesting lore in in that movie as well. Um, but yeah, and this is almost like, you know, spoiling Sixth Sense. But it the twist happens about halfway through versus at the very end. But um, 
yeah, you should you should check it out. It's it's worth watching. The, I don't know about the second and third one, but the first one's definitely worth watching. So you have a couple bits of homework to uh, well, I'm looking up watch. Vampire on a Ship, and it's coming up with The Last Voyage of the Demeter. But that's a 2023 film, and I definitely watched this movie a few years ago. So it's not that's not what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Check out Dust Till Dawn. It's pretty good. Um, so, yeah. Other vampire... They kind of stick... They, they just pop up all over the place, really. The D&D... Ravenloft setting is based off of a vampire named Strahd. And the reason why that setting exists is because in early D&D, there was a vampire stat block. Here's a vampire, here's a stat, so you could be wandering through the dungeon and you could meet a vampire. And the person who was who created um, Ravenloft decided, and I'm sure I could throw his name out there, but I don't recall it off the top of my head, and I don't want to get it wrong, so just saying the creator, creator of Ravenloft. He decided that, you know something? Vampires are cool. This shouldn't just be a throwaway character. So when he rolled up the vampire on the random encounter table, he decided to give this vampire a name, and essentially the vampire escaped. Like, he was, you know, vampires are smart. They're not going to stay and fight to the death. If they think they're going to be, you know, killed, they're just going to leave. And they did, and he did, and then he created an entire setting around this vampire that was just basically rolled up on a random table. And that created essentially the Ravenloft campaign setting and the most well-known vampire in the D&D setting. Um, and so that's that's how Strahd existed, because mm. someone said, hey, I think vampires are cool. So I'm going to make my campaign, in my campaign, vampires are going to be better than just a thing you meet in a dungeon. But that said... A lot of vampires in in any of these lores, when you just see a random vampire, they're not much more than just a hungry, you know, rage crazed person. person. <laughs> yeah, right. There's there's not a lot of depth to your status quo vampire. Right, and I think that's why Vampire the Masquerade has lasted for so long because it does try to take all vampires and like there's a reason that they exist they all have you know like there's yeah all vampires in the in that world anyway have like you know human minions or people they've kind of like brainwashed to do things for them and things like that um but that's how they present right they are they are smarter they are stronger um, because they've been around longer and they have, you know, supernatural strength. So, but they're also careful about what they do. And because of that, when you meet a vampire in that universe, you're sort of in trouble because they're not just out to, you know, do whatever, except for new ones. So there's multiple generations in that in that universe as well, where, you know, the oldest generations are the ones that are the most powerful and the ones that are you know, you don't want to meet them in a dark alley. Um, but then the later generations, the further down the generation track you are, the less you have of this um, basically supernatural blood from the original vampire. And you become kind of, eh, you're, you're, you're sort of the, the interns of the vampire world. <laughs> so it takes a while. Like if you're, you know, I think 
I want to say like sixth or seventh or eighth generation or something like that, you're not really that popular. Um, you're not really that strong. And you and you could just be one of the, you know, brutes that are working for someone who is stronger that you're trying to, you know, kiss up to or whatever. But there's there's a whole political structure in that underground. Um yeah, Vampire Masquerade. Interesting. So which is why I'm interested in in the board game, because it is going through the stories of how these characters interact with each other. And it's it's still like the branching board game and all that kind of stuff that what you would expect. Um, but by playing the game and reading the story and making the choices, you'll learn more about the world. And if anything's happened over the last seven years, as I've gotten more and more into board games, the last few years, board games have brought me more into different IPs than any other media. Because it's like, oh, this board game looks interesting. And then I start playing it and I'm like, okay, I want to know more about this. So I'll watch the movies or I'll read books about it. You know, that's where The Witcher came from. It's like, oh, there's this Witcher board game. It looks cool. I want to know everything I knew there is to know about it. So I'm not reading everything there is to read on vampires. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not going to do that. But um, I do find, like I said, if it's a solid lore, I do find that. It can be as compelling as any other fantasy trope. It's just darker. So, but yeah, that's our vampire episode. So. Vampires. All about <laughs> vampires. Vampires. Yep. Play games about vampires if you like them. Or don't play va- games about vampires if you don't like them. That's have my you, advice. Uh, have you watched the new Black Mirror episodes? I have not. Is there a vampire one? There isn't. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there's something related to vampires in one of the episodes. Well, now I'm going to have to watch them. Uh, but you did remind me about Blade. Um, oh, oh, yeah. So I, I made a list of vampires that are um, uh, most popular, Good. I guess, or not Good. necessarily, oh, but popular. Um, so Dracula, obvious, but Marvel has two of them Blade and Morpheus. Both of Morpheus, them are right? cards in Marvel Snap. Um, yeah, and Morpheus has his own movie right now. So does Blade. Is it but Morpheus the Blade, or Morbius? Morbius, Morbius. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, Morpheus is from but uh, yeah, the, the Matrix. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Morbius. Um, he is a Marvel vampire. I know nothing about him besides I like the ability his card gives They're you. making a movie. Um, he gets, yep, they're making a movie that will be part of the MCU for him. Um, and I think they're re- rebooting Blade as well as part of the MCU. Um, Probably. The the original Blades, I actually like the original Blade They're movie. fine. I think that was, was that Wesley Snipes? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I've seen like Blade um, 1 and Blade 2. They're fine. Yeah. But that was a, as a Marvel character, um, I which I did not know when I... Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was um, like original content or something. Nope. But no, it's a Marvel character. And like, oh, yeah, it's a Marvel character. Uh, all these things are, you know, somewhere they were based on a comic book someplace, somewhere. But um, yeah, so that is where we were looking for my train of thought, which went away. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Characters that I put up, put up here, but yeah, so I put Dracula, Morbius, Spike, Angel, um, Edward Cullen from Twilight, Blade from Marvel, Strahd from Ravenloft. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of vam- like classic vampire characters out there and, I uh, some of them I like, some of them I That's don't. That's interesting. You watch I, Buffy, I, though. I'm trying to think of like other monsters. I don't know if I could name other monsters. Like, um, I don't know. Like, if you said like werewolves, right? Because they're werewolf movies. I don't think yeah. I could name a werewolf character. Um, 
Teen uh, Teen Wolf. Michael oh, J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Okay. <laughs> One. There you go. Whatever his That's name the one is. I, got. I don't even I don't even know what his name is in the movie. <laughs> I don't know his name, but yeah. He's he's the any werewolf others, I know. Any other ones? Um so a lot of vampire uh tropes also have werewolves in them. So even Vampire the Masquerade, yes. there is there are werewolves in there. So werewolves versus vampires isn't just a Twilight thing. It's it's like a standard um trope. Mm. So you'll see that a lot. But you typically don't Besides Twilight, Twilight, I don't remember the the wolf's the werewolf name, but there was a love triangle between the fifteen year old girl and the four hundred year old vampire and the werewolf who was I don't know eighteen nineteen whatever. Um, so the, the love triangle team there. Edward team Jacob maybe Jacob? that sounds about right. Um, I'm such a bad yeah, so you, you, young girl. <laughs> yeah, but you don't. Yeah, werewolves don't get the same romanticizing that vampires do or any really any monster because vampires are just like pure evil right they, they exist to feed on humans so why are they so romanticized is a is another interesting question in general i'm really but, having to stretch my brain but like okay i can think of like a few more what's oh, that guy uh in harry potter whatever his name was oh yeah lupin lupin of course lupin <laughs> yeah um that name should have tipped me off. Um, yeah. Okay. Ooh, are there Maybe any there. vampires in Harry Potter? I don't think so. There's werewolves, but I don't think there's vampires in Harry Potter. Yeah. That's interesting. Although werewolves, they both can exist without the other. Like Teen Wolf, which is you know just a, an amazing movie. Um, <laughs> it really is. They don't have vampires either. But I mean, that's, uh, that yeah. movie is just, it has nothing to, I mean, it's just a crazy thing. It has nothing to do with it anyway. Well, Teen Wolf 2 was so, so bad. Um, I've not seen Jason Bateman, I think, because it's Michael J. Fox wasn't in the sequel. It was like someone else is a cousin or something like this. And it was like Jason Bateman. I think that's his name from um, Family. No, uh, not Family Ties. There was the other 80s sitcom at the time. Michael J. Fox was the Family Ties one. Yeah. Um, I can picture it in my head. Mr. Belvedere, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Probably not that. But I don't, I'm in not any even case, sure what eighties. We've gone so far off the rails at this I point. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty can't go back fast enough. <laughs> All right, I'll bring us home. All right, let's get us out of here. Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. We have a Discord. Join us there to con- to continue the conversation and be a part of our live recordings. It's also where you'll find an endless stream of games you can play with us and other listeners on BGA. Links are in the show notes, and you can go to tabletopgametalk.com to find out more. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, Michael Finley, Listener Doug, The Gift of Games. I am not going to do last names. I'm going to do first names. Jason, John, Joe, Emil, Danita, Jim, Steve, Gary, Peter, Andrew, John, John again, uh, Matthew, Jimothy, Paul, Nicholas, Weatherman, Keith, Leanne, uh, Steven, Marina, Ben, Sean, Michael, Jeremy, Christopher, Terrence, Richard, Tokyo Fan Forever, Stephen, Joe, Old Man Sci Fi, also known as him, David, Brian, Courtney, Ryan, Dan, Darren, David, Jesse, Jer- Charles, Agnes, Ron, Aaron, Don, Glenn, Eric, Adrian, Eric, Jason, Jerry, Sean, Christy, Monica, and Michael. Thank you to everyone who's ever been a patron. Your support really does mean the world to us. Until next week, keep playing games and having fun.
So it's the 4th of July. What is your biggest 4th of July family tradition when you were young? Oh, man. I mean, probably setting off fireworks. I grew up in Texas. That's... I mean, okay. <laughs> some places you can't set off fireworks. Like in the city, you're not supposed to set off fireworks, but a ton of people do. Um, we always had a lot of fireworks, a lot of big fireworks, and it was fine to set them off. My grandfather um, became a licensed pyrotechnic. He would go to shows and set off fireworks professionally. And actually, my cousin also now does that because of him. Um it's kind of like a side gig for them. He puts on, he lives in California. He'll do like shows at Knott's Berry farm and other places. Um, but, uh, yeah, we kind of already do that kind of, we're in that, uh, I don't know, world a little bit, I guess. That's cooler than my answer, which was basically, it was a great middle school date location. Cause you got to like snuggle under a blanket with whoever you were dating a location or a Those time. Are my memories. Time and place, like going to see the fireworks. Oh, like go to see I think, the fireworks. Yeah, yeah, I think I think going to see the fireworks on the Fourth of July, like that, is kind of a fun thing for teenagers and kids to do. Um, middle middle teenagers and stuff. At, at once you get into high school, you're like, yeah, this I'm too cool for fireworks. But until then, I don't know. I fun. always I've always really liked fireworks. And Carmen kind of finds it weird. Like yesterday, people were setting off fireworks, so I went to the roof. And I watched fireworks going off from uh, from my roof. I I can see throughout the city, so it was kind of kind of okay. cool. I've flown on the Fourth of July before, like the evening of the Fourth yes, of July, so have I. and yeah. that was one of the coolest things. Because yeah, yeah, you just you kind of look out of the plane and you just see fireworks all over the place on the ground, but they're so far away from you. But it's just like these little like firework shows. You you can see like eight or nine at see, a time. You can see all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's if you ever had the opportunity to fly the evening of the 4th of July, just like get a window seat because it's fun to watch. Yeah, it so, is. So if if you're in the U.S., happy 4th of July. If you're not in the U.S., um, happy 4th of July as well, except it, you know, it's just a normal For Whatever your Independence Day is, if you have one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and good night. <laughs>